to the Gridiron Show and the first of our two draft specials. But before we get to the draft, and today we're going to be looking at the top prospects on the defensive side of the ball. We're going to talk the schedule. We're going to talk about the Gridiron Tour. And we might even take a few of your Twitter questions as well. Ollie Hunter with me in the studio and a couple of very special guests coming down the line. This is the Gridiron Show. Hello, welcome to the Gridiron Show in association with Touchdown Trips, getting you in the game. And the schedule's been released, which means that we can semi-officially announce the plans for our tour. Ooh. Now, the reason I say semi-officially announce the plans for our tour is because the plan was always to get in at least two NFL games, at least a college game, and at least a, um, a high school game. Now, there's a couple of planned routes around the same period of time which could potentially facilitate three NFL games, which potentially could facilitate two college games and two NFL games, plus high school as well. Uh, We're just figuring out what's going to be the most cost-effective way of doing it. But what I will tell you right now is that the showpiece game of our tour to the south with touchdown trips is intended to be on the 12th of November... Who is it? Who is it? When the Dallas Cowboys travel to face the Atlanta Falcons in Atlanta at that spanking brand new stadium. What a game. Holy moly. That is incredible. And guess what the night before that we're going to do? Uh, don't know. Head to LSU, to one of the greatest college stadiums in the world, in all of America, obviously. There's not many college stadiums outside of America. Sure, To sure. see LSU against Arizona. And then the hope if we can just figure it out to make it cost-effective for you, the listener, is that we will then drive from Atlanta to Carolina for Monday night football to see the Miami Dolphins take on the Carolina Panthers under the lights. Wow. Wow. That's just part of it as well. Wow. There are plans to be in New Orleans ahead of the LSU game, spend some free time there, maybe go see a Pelicans game, go for a Bayou trip. Get food. Born on the Bayou, one of my favourite uh, Credence Clearwater songs. And there's at least one more game we're one trying to crowbar in there as well. Not yeah. even crowbar in there. We've just got to make sure that we keep the cost reasonable for you, the listener. It's going to be incredible. Oh, man. It's going to go from around the weekend before to the 13th of November. And we want you to get involved. We'd love to see you there. So at touchdowntrips.com, go to the Facebook page. What we will do is once we've got that cost, etc. nailed down, Ben Morton will come on. We'll make the official announcement. But it's going to be incredible. It's going to be so good. Oh, man. Me, you, Matt Sherry, Simon Clancy, Ben Mortimer, and 20-plus listeners from the sounds of it, all going on a tour, tailgating, checking out the sites living the american dream the way it was meant to be lived by a bunch of drunken british men maybe and women we want women as well maybe it won't let's get some some ladies on the maybe it won't be 20 plus listeners so it could be like listeners and their friends you know who perhaps aren't uh, listening oh yeah yeah you don't have to listen to the show in order to come on the tour in any way shape or form maybe you're just a fan of the magazine maybe you're just who knows i mean if they're a fan of the magazine they're not listening to this but perhaps those listeners that are listening to this bring a friend or a partner you know or a a son or a daughter what a great trip it would be it's going to be incredible cannot wait 
Uh, now we've got that out of the way. Uh, and, of course, we're going to talk about this when Matt Sherry's on, but you've still got time to get your draft preview issue of the of Gridiron magazine, and it is genuinely brilliant this month. It might be my favourite one we've ever been involved in and produced. Definitely try and get that. Um, Ollie, how are you? Oh, man, I'm OK. I'm OK. I have undertaken a challenge in the last two days. Uh, after, Is that really loud gulp? Yeah, it really was. <laughs> it really Sorry. Was. After seeing something on Twitter where or Facebook where a guy had drunk a gallon of water a day for 30 days straight, I thought, why don't I, I'll give that a go. How hard could it be? Oh, my God, I've not peed so much in my life. That's why... At the end of the next show, yeah. you'll run out to go to the toilet. And I went to <laughs> Sorry, you. Doc Brown, what? <laughs> and, and I was like, I've got to go... You'll understand why because you'd have listened to the, the you, you know you'd have listened to the first part that we're recording in a bit, but would, you'd have already heard it, and then now you'll understand why that I need to go to a pee then, which is back then, but it's actually forward in the future to everyone now. I, I don't understand. But uh, so I'm basically <laughs> drinking a lot, of, a lot of water. Uh, for anyone that doesn't know, a gallon is eight pints. Of it's water. four. It's like four and a half liters. Four and isn't a half liters. How do you know that? Not just a pretty face, mate. That's great. So it's nine of these, nine and a bit, five hundred milliliter bottles. Does it? Has it made you less hungry? Because that's what people say. If you drink lots of water, it suppresses your appetite. Uh, yeah, I think it has. Cool. I've I only, might give it a try. I've only eaten I, once today. The, the going to the gym experiment lasted about a week, and it's going to come back. And I, I was I'm going tomorrow morning again. Well, I thought you were looking a little bit trimmer. That's very kind, but I went to the student radio conference this week, which meant that I ate and drank my body weight in bad stuff. At one point, we went to McDonald's at five in the morning and got a McChicken sandwich. Oh, don't they do then, breakfast at five in the morning? Well, no, wait. This is the point. We were in there oh, at no about way. quarter to five. Had a McChicken sandwich. Left McDonald's, went to our hotel, which is just over the road. And then our friend John Jackson, who came on um, tour with us to the Super Bowl, he was doing a talk at 9.30 the next morning that we promised we'd go to. So we got up at 9.15, had a shower, went back to the same McDonald's over the road four hours later and bought a breakfast to take to them. Uh, So I ate two McDonald's in the space of about five hours. It's the worst thing. My body felt terrible after it. It's not good, guys. It's no, not that, good. That's but really the student radio conference was absolutely brilliant, and the level of talent for young was people it? in this country is crazy. Well, the reason I really wanted to go this year was because it was at De Montfort, where I went to university and was a demon. Um, and yeah, it was amazing to go back, see the old studio, yeah. see a lot of people. As always, they talk a lot of, yeah, we'll get you guys to come up, all the alumni, we'll do training day stuff. And I'm like, I'm absolutely, totally for that. Just let me know. And it never happens. But Of course it never, never happens. Pay me lip service. That's yeah, how I feel. Yeah. But it, we ran a good session. The sports guys were really good. I had a load of guys who were really big NFL fans came and chatted to us. And it was really good. Anyone that listened to the show? We enjoyed it. Uh, one guy. There's oh, one guy great. who was That's fan. not bad. Yeah, which I was happy with. Yeah. So anyway, there was that. And then there was work. And so the gym has kind of gone out the window. But it's going to come back. Don't and, worry. Um, I will lose weight by the time we go to America. You are sounding slightly less lucid than you do at the beginning of the draft, draft preview chat. draft chat and why is that because i'm going to ultimate power in about 25 minutes time and i have been drinking steadily throughout the recording of these podcasts uh, and uh, guys he is still understandable as you can tell because you, you are listening to him now but he's just supping a cobra have you had some crabbies there as well mm-hmm. now i was thinking in your time i've not had any dinner either i've had <laughs> you've had a load of chocolate <laughs> i've had yeah. three chocolate eggs but not full size chocolate. Just what do you call? And this isn't a joke. What do you call 
that in your tummy right now there will be cobra and crabby a melange uh, yeah of of ginger beer alcoholic ginger beer and beer is it a ginger bite a ginger bite yeah works for me i like that you okay. never want to be bitten by a ginger no neither does your wife the what <laughs> Please don't say that again. <laughs> I'm really sorry. It's, I'm so sorry. The, oh, the 2017 NFL schedule has been released, and we're going to pick through a few points of it. We're not going to go too in-depth because um, at the end of the day, it's great to see for things like going on the tours, but a lot of it is going to change next week after the draft anyway. Surely the, should we, do, we should only look at week one. Well, the, great, well, the, no, the big thing, the great news um, is... That three of the four games in London, including the Ravens Jags, which I told you was going to be an early oh, kickoff, yeah, yeah. are all going to be early kickoff games. Ravens Jags, Saints Dolphins, Vikes Browns, all early kickoffs. They confirm that Cardinals at Rams is the 22nd of Dece- uh, uh, October, Vikes Browns is the 29th of October, and that 22nd of October one, which is admittedly a West Coast team and a near West Coast team, so having a 6 pm kickoff makes sense for that game, but it's also the start of half term week. So. For those concerned with family uh, who wanted to take kids, that's still going to be a great option for you. And I I think they've... Do you know what it shows for me? And I don't understate this when I say that I think it shows the power of the NFL UK brand fans and the importance to them of... I know that they want the extra TV window, but there was such a kickback in America over those early games... And yet it was made pretty clear we wanted the earlier games and we got the earlier games. And I'm really pleased about it. I'm really pleased about it. I think, do you think the guys in America are going to try and brand it as football all day? It's it's that Sunday, kind of Sunday morning yeah. football, but wake up with football, all that stuff. Absolutely, 100%. And I'm not sure that whether they did enough last time round with that. Perhaps they could do more. Having spoken to Greg Rosenthal, I think in when we... We're both a little tipsy. I think he said that they could have done <laughs> they could have done a bit more in in um, in promoting that as a, as an actual thing. Hundred percent football all day, every day. Hundred percent. Uh, the openers: the Kansas City Chiefs at the New England Patriots. Andy Reid coming off the ultimate bye week to go to New England. So let's not write that off quite yet. A lot of people saying oh, easy opener for the Pats. Kansas City Chiefs are a good team. How's that? Who was saying it's an easy opener? A lot of people. A lot Who? Of people. Well, they're around the NFL podcast mainly. Oh, did they? Uh, <laughs> it's not an easy opener, guys. Thank guys, they, come on, guys. They don't listen. Uh, the Thanksgiving games, all pretty good. Vikes at Lions, assuming both those teams are competitive. Chargers at Cowboys. Uh, I've, I really like the LA Chargers this year. And Giants at Washington, again, big NFC East clash. Can I ask you about that? Mm-hmm. Do you think it's okay that Washington have a home game with the logo under the lights, the watching world on Thanksgiving. It's a really valid point that I hadn't thought about. And I think they'll try, they'll make a big deal out of it. Dan Snyder will make a big deal out of Thanksgiving was the day that we showed thanks to the Native Americans and won't focus on the mass genocide that came afterwards. So that's a really fast, it's going to be really interesting to see how they deal with that. Ollie Hunter. Good point, buddy. Thanks, mate. Good point. Uh, that was so patronising. I'm really sorry. It's okay. I haven't had three beers and two, <laughs> two crabbies, so I made the point. Perhaps you would have made the point if you were lucid. Here was something uh, interesting to me. Teams with five-plus primetime games in 2017. Okay. Oh, no. Let's, let us me see if I can guess them. Yeah, go on. Um, Giants? Uh, no. Cowboys? Yes. Eagles? Yes. Patriots? Uh, no. No, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, have. yeah. Uh, 
Not the Giants, then? Not the Giants. Giants, the only NFC East team who don't. Well, Washington, then. Yeah. And the final one would be... Uh, the Jets? Nope. Oh, okay. I don't know. Who's the final one? Kansas City. Oh, okay. Yeah, nice. Atlanta. Yeah. Denver. Yeah. Green Bay. Oh, yeah. Oakland. Okay. And Pittsburgh. Oh, wow. Also all have more than five primetime games. Now, there has to be a consideration with those that the AFC West plays the NFC East this season. Apparently it was the most difficult schedule to promote in years because now they've got those two LA teams as well. The AFC East are playing the NFC East and the and the NFC and possibly the NFC the AFC West are playing the NFC East as well. It's like basically there's at least three uh, of those two four divi- of those four divisions from the two conferences at least six matchups are happening between them of a possible eight if you know what I mean. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of co- teams having to cross the I don't think anyone knows what you mean no, after really listening to that. Right. I've got it written down. NFC East plays the NFC West Why and the AFC West. Why didn't you look at that West. before? I don't know. What are you doing back <laughs> the there? The AFC West. I never know what you're doing back there. <laughs> you need to get that as a drop. The AFC West plays the AFC East and the NFC East. Chargers have two trips to the Meadowlands. Washington has two trips to Los Angeles. The Raiders have five games in the Eastern time zone. Interestingly, all four West Coast teams are playing in Los Angeles on New Year's Eve. So it's like 49ers, Chargers, and Seahawks, uh, Rams, or something like that. Okay, yeah. See, I said some interesting things in here. Yeah, that was good. Um, No bye weeks until week five. That's a new thing. They've moved on from week four. I tell you what, though. um, I I, I tell you what, though. (laughs) That I saw, I think it was Ha Ha Clinton Dix tweeting that it really killed them having that fourth week bye for Green Bay and it was such a long season after that that it kind of makes sense that they would push it back and I'll tell you as part of that it means that neither the Ravens or the Jaguars have a bye week after their London game. Well, the Ravens asked for such. But both didn't they? teams asked yeah, for both it. Yeah, so- both asked. And Saints Dolphins, the Dolphins also asked for it and got the request. The, Sa- the Saints chose to have the bye week after the London game. So well, it, three out of three out of eight London teams choosing not to have a bye week. Well, Indianapolis did it last year and it didn't affect them. They won. So <laughs> and after... they weren't a good team at that point. Exactly. Uh, week one divisional games. We've argued about this over the years. I have never had a big issue with week one divisional games. But I think the NFL have gone too far this year. Okay, I'm... Okay, please Uh, explain to me. The argument against divisional games in week one is that we've been waiting like eight months for football... Why spoil us with divisional games in week one? Games so that are going to really us, mean something come week 17. You're saying give us Jags-Titans. It, it, it doesn't matter if we've got oh, crap... Oh, wait, that's a divisional yeah, game. Yeah, that's a divisional game. <laughs> doesn't matter if you've got crap matchups in week one. We're going to love the football either Bucks, way. Bucks-Titans. Uh, so, but in week one, Chargers at Broncos, the Eagles are in Washington, Ravens at Bengals, Steelers at Browns, Jets at Bills, and Jags at Texans. Almost half the schedule is divisional games week one. That is a bit much. Yeah, I, I, you want to save some of those games for when they're going to be interesting later in the year. Can I ask you what you think the Sky Games will be? When in the in week one? Uh, I, I don't have that in front of me. Okay, okay. So uh, it's... Let, let me get it up, and I'll make and let me get it up rather than you read the whole uh, schedule to me while I give you a couple of my other thoughts that okay. I wrote down. Okay, other thoughts. Uh, so I thought it was really interesting about the Raiders. I said about them having five plus new games. They're actually going to be televised nine times this year because they're also on a number of the Fox doubleheader specials. 
um, where they do like a 425 game and Fox pick it as their feature national game. So they're going to be on TV nine times. They had one primetime game two seasons ago. They had two primetime games last year, and one of those was the Mexico game. Oh, TV companies are hoping, Fox are hoping that Derek Carl's going to be fit. They are, they are desperate for that team to be good this year. And for Marshall Lynch to finally make his, uh, his move to the Raiders. Oh, my goodness. Um, the New England Patriots slate was really interesting. Um, after They start off with fine, but after their Week 9 bye, they play five of six on the road, including having to go to Denver and then play against the Raiders in Mexico City, which are the two highest stadiums you can possibly play in in North America. So what you're saying is the NFL hates the New England Patriots. Let's hope so. <laughs> um, no bugs till week five. I mentioned that. All of this I've been saying while I try and bring up my NFL schedule week one for 2017 on my, by the way, brand new Samsung S8 phone. Okay, I've not got this because I'm some Billy Big Bollocks who requested some review copy or something like that for the radio. I literally have this because... Um, I my the my contract upgrade was available, and they went, "Oh, your contract upgrade is available." Do you know the new S eight comes out next week? I went, oh yeah, I'll have that one then. And then after oh, that, right, yeah, yeah, I thanks. thought I just said yes. Thanks, and then Mr. afterwards, Patterson. yeah. Oh, thank you, Mister Person. Oh, <laughs> sounds like more like the moose from Talk Sport. Um, oh, get me on. <laughs> uh, but I. Um, yeah, I didn't realise that it's meant to be like the best smartphone in the world, and I've paid too much money for it. But there we go. What games will be on Sky Week 1? Eagles at Washington will be in consideration for the early kickoff, as will Ravens at Bengals. Cardinals at Lions is a good game, though. Cardinals-Lions is a good game, but there's one clear winner. Bucks-Dolphins? No. Falcons-Bears? <laughs> no. In the early kickoffs? Early kickoffs, one clear winner. Sky... Who who could it only really be? Eagles at Washington. No, it's going to be the Jaguars at the Texans. It's not going to be the Jaguars. It is. The Texans. It's it, it's the Jags loving. We love the Jags. Maybe it might be the Jags for the British value. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But football's back. Let's get behind the Jags. I'm oh, telling you, are you telling the Jags? Are you telling me there's any kind of argument over what the four uh, the 925 game? There's no argument there. Seahawks at Packers. Seahawks at Packers. <gasps> Wow, that's what a, a game. game! That's a come on. Game. That's an unbelievable game oh, week one. Sorry. That's that's spoiling us. That really is shooting the load. And I quite like the 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 Sunday evening game, uh, Monday morning game for us. Giants at Cowboys is great. Good game. That's great Good game. game. We, we that's when that's precisely when we want a divisional game so that we can get it not not necessarily out of the way, but really kick off that week one. Although all the other games of mostly other games have already kicked off. But that's not the point. That is schedule chat. Yeah. 2017. That's great. Done. Uh, <laughs> right. We're going to get on to the draft chat in a moment. We've just got a few Twitter questions to get to first of all. I see uh, what you're doing here. Nice. Jim McKinnon. Thoughts on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on this season's hard knocks. I'm looking forward to it. Who doesn't love a good old kicker showdown? There is that. I've got that fear that. I like Jason Light. He's been on the show before. Really nice guy. And I think overall, he's done a really good job drafting over the past few seasons. Like, if you look over the last few Bucks drafts, they're good. Roberto Aguayo, particularly moving up to get him, was bad. Like, monumentally bad. If there's a situation where Roberto Aguayo gets cut on hard knocks and Jason Light just basically has to admit, yeah, buggered that one up, didn't I? That's going to be fascinating. 
so it, it's basically like F1. You're only watching it for that car crash. <laughs> well, no, I think there's a lot of other interesting points. I, th- I find Jameis Winston an interesting character and a great locker room leader. I think he'll be good on it. Um, Deshaun Jackson, no when we've spoken to him before, I think he's been <laughs> fascinating. I think he's been really interesting, uh, as was... Look, last year we had Mike Evans on, and he was really great. Big I Harry reckon Potter we're going to get some Harry Potter stuff from Evans yeah I, re- I reckon uh, so I reckon so get I, on I, this is this season feels a little bit make or break for me for Hard Knocks the last couple of years I've not been that into the, the problem, Rams was yeah, dreadful the Rams is awful well look forward to Amazon Prime's uh, Rams again <sighs> to go from the Cardinals with Bruce Arians oh I love Bruce Arians oh, yeah. to go to the Rams <laughs> Oh, what have you done, Amazon Prime? What have you done? I might cancel my membership just for that. Um, Adam Foxcroft, what are you going to do to mourn the lack of Jags-Titans Thursday night football in 2017? Is this the end of the Colour Rush Sick uniforms? I am going to go back to, through the gridiron uh, Twitter direct messages, go back to the picture that you sent us, Adam Foxcroft, of the thing that was exactly the same colour as the colour rush uniforms, that will remind me that I hated uh, the Jags colour rush uniform. And then block you on Twitter for it. Yeah. Uh, Chris McManus, what does Ollie Hunter, and this is after something you said earlier on, um, what does Ollie Hunter want to bet me that the Eagles do not have the number one pick in 2018? They were your outside kind of bold pick for being the number one overall pick earlier in the off season. Uh, he obviously wasn't happy with that. He wants to make a bet with you. Uh well, you know it's the ball's in your court really, because you're the one that's uh, that's unhappy with it. It could happen. Uh, make me an offer. I'd see if I counteract it. Hey, Fugazi. <laughs> I mean a bear bit, bit bear, bear bit. Yes, <laughs> what's a bear bit? <laughs> I'm really not that drunk. This is bad. I'm really sorry. Um, and wow, Sky have got Alex Neal as their analyst for Norwich versus Brighton. Brilliant. <laughs> Big fan of Alex sorry, Neal's. Carry on. Chris McManus, same man. What what running back to the Raiders draft to put the hey, final man. nail in Beast Mode's career? I don't. They're not going to take a running back according to our first round mock draft that's going to be on the next show in three days' time that we definitely haven't already done. And Neil doesn't ask the question, which caused quite the consternation yeah, yeah. on Twitter earlier on. He asked the phrase, pancakes or waffles? See, I missed this original one. So I was like, like that particular message. So I missed it. And then I caught up later on. Let's break it down. Break it down. American style pancakes versus the traditional American waffles. American waffles. Potato waffles are out. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Potato waffles might be waffly versatile, but you're not going to have bacon and syrup with them. No. Well, you might. Should we try it? Yeah, let's do it. All right, me. Yeah, let's do it. Draft night. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> A Potato waffle, maple syrup, and bacon if sandwich. Somebody, if somebody eats that and films it and sends it to us, I'll send them a free T-shirt. All right. That's a great idea. Uh, <laughs> now we're just daring our listeners to do things oh you also have to be the first so check if someone else hasn't sent it before you do it otherwise you might just do it for no reason yeah yeah anyway good shout american style pancakes or waffles i uh, i think i go pancakes because i'm I, but i'm 
going pancakes if they're in a diner. See, see, here's here is my big problem overall with this entire conversation. Because sure. Big T, regular listener and regular tweeter and great man, came to our one of our parties last year after the international series game, and I love the man to bits. Even if he's a Patriots fan, I love him to bits. He started to slag off the traditional crep. I wasn't having it. He's out of order. I love a crep. The crep wins over those two hands down. I'm with you. Have on that. you been to Crep Affair in Wimbledon? Oh, I'm going there tomorrow. It's fantastic. Honestly, they, they do a Mexican uh, crep, which is just out out of this world. It's right. so good. Done. Me, you there tomorrow. But the point is, is that if a pancake is done well and properly, pancake is better than a waffle. But waffle is much easier to get consistently right. The problem I have with pancakes is too often you go to a diner-style situation and you get way too thick, way too stodgy, not cooked properly, not whisked properly, not aerated, just heavy, lumpen. Like, they are easy to get wrong. If a pancake, American-style pancake, is done right, it, it might be the best base for a breakfast. But the waffle has more consistency, so I'd feel safer ordering a waffle. Okay, you have swayed me. I originally said pancake. I'm changing that. A couple of reasons why. To pan waffle. To pan waffle. A couple of reasons why. (laughs) Both you can have with syrup. Yes. Both you could have with bacon. Yes. Both you could have with fruit. Yes. As you said, it's far more difficult to get a waffle wrong than a pancake and a bad pancake you know that it's not cooked properly it's too stodgy not nice but the key the key one here is can you have fried chicken with a pancake it would be weird with a waffle it's delightful with a waffle and you can have fried chicken with a crepe as well just put it in the crepe all right our final twitter question before we get on to our draft discussions because it feeds us all in nicely from at andy giddo sunday has asked on twitter this is the best running back class since dot 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 discuss exclamation mark now i haven't been able to do this because i've been working but i know two people who will know all about this i like that ollie and who are those people those are matt sherry of gridiron and simon clancy he is alive hey boys Hey, right. hey. Don't know why I went so camp with the Hey Boys then. Very, it was a bit too very, much for me. Very John, <laughs> very, was very John Inman. <laughs> well, um, just to explain what we're going to do with this, I think we'll already have done this in the intro, but we're going to be going through position by position for the offensive and defensive side of the balls of the draft in the next two shows. So with this guy asking about the running back class, we'll start with that. But do you guys 2000, have... 2008. 2008 is one of the three that I had written down here. Darren McFadden, Jonathan Stewart, Felix Jones, Rashad Mendenhall, Chris Johnson, Matt Forte, Ray Rice, Jamal Charles. You missed out Kevin yep. Smith, who I also had on my list, but well, <laughs> that's, a, that's a pretty great. It's, it's, a, it was I like a, 2013. It was well. a good overall class, but I didn't like have a. There's no Hall of Fame running back in there. There's, it's kind of like just a good overall class. Whoa. And Andy Giddo suggested who are you suggesting is a Hall of Fame? Well, uh, perhaps the guy with the most yards per carry ever. Jamal Chris Charles? Johnson is oh, Jamal Charles isn't making the Hall of Fame. Yeah, if he has a, if he returns to football and does okay, perhaps in this season. Matt Forte. I think that's a stretch. I just as well. love Jamal. I love Jamal. The 1983 running back draft is the best running back draft of all time. Well, Eric Dickerson, Kurt Warner, 
James Jones, Gary Anderson, Roger Craig. Kurt Warner. Kurt, Kurt Warner. Kurt, the great Kurt Warner of Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tell you yeah, now that the, 20, the 2015... That is, that, that is the has, correct has answer, Matthew Sherry. Ding, 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 ding. Um, you've got Gurley, if he comes good, which we think he will. Melvin Gordon, who looked great last year. And most importantly, David Johnson, who already is a guaranteed Hall of Famer. And then on the J. second tier beyond rewind. The the king of hyperbole strikes again yeah. and strikes he's early. A, he's, he's not a guaranteed Hall of Famer. But but look, beyond those top three, if Todd Gurley does come good again, Tevin Coleman, Matt Jones, Jeremy Langford, Jay Ajayi, and even beyond that, guys who still could do something in the NFL, maybe not TJ Eldon, Amir Abdullah, Duke Johnson, Buck Allen, even Carl. Carlos Williams, who has shown, you know, a ridiculous rate of touchdown per touches. He just can't get himself fit, healthy, off the drugs, whatever else. If Carlos Williams plays another down in the NFL, I'll be surprised. Yeah, there is that. Andy Giddo suggested 2013. Le'Veon Bell, Gio Bernard, Eddie Lacy, Latavius Murray, CJ Anderson. It's one of those ones, it's not bad, but that 2015 one, with a couple of years of hindsight. Yeah, there's only Le'Veon Bell. 97's a good draft. Warwick Dunn. Great Warwick Dunn, Antoine Smith, Tiki Barber, Corey Dillon, Deuce Staley. You take that. Two thousand one. Two thousand. No, yeah. Ladainian uh, Tomlinson, Deuce McAllister, Anthony Thomas. Yeah. yeah. Felt like Henry. there were a few of the year uh, Reggie Bush came out as well, which was two thousand and uh, can't remember. This Mario is, Williams, yeah. We're well, still showing it? some great knowledge. This is all fantastic work, guys. And let's use it to move on and say, he said this is the best running back dra- draft since dot, dot, dot. So let's talk about the running back position. We're going to do... The kind of idea is to try and find a consensus top three players at every position. And obviously we've got our draft man on in uh, Simon Clancy. But Matthew Sherry did a lot of work on this draft for the uh, latest edition of the magazine. There's still time to order that and get it before yeah, Thursday is, night, is before the first round. bloody good off. as well. It's I would good. recommend that people do it fairly quickly, as I think we have about 15 copies left. There you go. Holy wow. moly. Pretty amazing. Um, look, uh, this, this kind of running back class, there are three names who have stood out from the top for some time. Leonard Fournette, Dalvin Cook, Christian McCaffrey... I think let's just hand this to Clancy to rank them, but to also ask the question, why has Dalvin Cook in particular seemed to drop in all people's kind of mocks and supposedly his stock has fallen through the floor in recent weeks? Okay, the first rule about the draft is don't believe anything that happens in the month running up to the draft about falling stocks, about this, that and the other, because there's so much agent leaks, team leaks, all those sorts of things. Ruben Foster of Alabama is the guy that's getting killed at the moment. Shoulder issues, concussion issues... Uh, failed a drugs. drugs test, all these sorts of things. This is the kind of pre-drive hyperbole that happens. Dalvin Cook, everybody knows about Dalvin Cook's history in terms of people who are connected with the NFL. And if you read the piece in this month's Gridiron magazine, order it now, you'll know that in terms of growing up, he's had a checkered history with some off-field issues. He's got some shoulder issues as well. He didn't perform very well at the Combine athletically, but put on the tape. Okay, he can, he's a three-down player. He's a, he's the sort of back that can take over games in terms of his ability to run. He can pass protect. He can catch the ball out the backfield. Jimbo Fisher used him as a kind of a team leader, a team captain to sort of motivate the players. I think um, I think Dalvin Cook's issues in inverted commas are overblown. You're actually leaving, but you talk about the three backs. You're actually leaving kind of two off. One of whom is Alvin Kamara of Tennessee. The other is the X Factor back, who might probably is 
could easily be the best back in the draft, which is Oklahoma's Joe Mixon, which is another entirely different story because of obviously what happened with him. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's been something we've discussed on this show before, the Joe Mixon issue, because uh, as I said to Wally, uh, you, you look at the, um, the fella at the Chiefs last year, um, yeah, spent um, no, not Spencer Ware. <laughs> Ollie just no. Ollie saying things in talk back in my head. Tyree Kill is obviously who I actually mean. Um, and whilst yeah, you didn't tell them, uh, I told you that. As whilst well. his issues, <laughs> whilst his issues weren't on tape, which as we've learned from Ray Rice, That's does make a big difference. People have still forgotten about what happened in his past. After well, not everyone, but you know, ninety-five percent of NFL fans don't know about his history. They just go, "Wow, they found themselves a real bargain later in the draft, and what a year he's had." I think just, if Joe Mixon has a year like that, a lot of NFL fans will forget he, about that videotape. I, I've just I've just written a piece about Mixon for the Independent newspaper, and what he did was a, a horrendous act. Uh, you know, the video is is horrendous. He walks in, he confronts Amelia Molitor, she pushes him, he goes to punch her. She slaps him in the face and he, he knocks her out and she hits her head on the table as she goes down. He spends 20 seconds in, in Peckerman's, which is the cafe that they were in, and he, he scarpers, looks back once over his shoulder to sort of see the damage that he's done. And it's a, it's a horrendous thing. The argument is, and I'm, I would never defend what he did, never ever, so please don't take, the listeners don't take that, the, what I'm about to say as a defence, because there is no defence for what he did. But it was a day after his 18th birthday. Do we spend the rest of our lives judging somebody for what they did in a five second moment somebody showed no history of any off-field issues before that point and subsequently he's kept his nose clean save for one parking ticket that he had no he didn't he didn't um front up and talk to the media he was given the opportunity to apologize publicly and he didn't do in the immediate aftermath which certainly rubbed people up even more the wrong way so what he did was heinous but are we going to spend the rest of our lives saying that this is a man who you know he will always be Joe Mixon, the man who hit hit the hit the woman. Or are we able to to offer a second chances to people? I'm playing devil's advocate. I, I don't know that there's a right or wrong answer. I suspect there is. I feel uncomfortable cheering for him. I know that people feel uncomfortable cheering for him, but I also know that going through this draft process, he has seemed to have been um, apologetic. He's an intelligent guy. He's not stupid. He fairly decent upbringing and in terms of what he offers on the field and ultimately that's what people will judge him on because you you know you look at a, a guy like Steve Kime the Arizona Cardinals general manager who said you know if Hannibal Lecter could run a 4 3 40 we'd, we'd diagnose it as an eating disorder and that's kind of the way that the NFL look, but it's true that's the way the NFL looks at things you know just win baby is one of the most famous statements that you'll ever hear about the NFL what can you do for me to help me win there's an awful lot of bad people in the NFL there's also a lot of awfully good people but there are a lot of not particularly nice human beings I don't know where Joe Mixon falls into that category beyond judging him on a five second incident a terrible five second incident but as a football player he's a three day he's a cross for, for older listeners he's a he's a cross between a Ricky Waters and David Johnson he's a three down factor back who will get 15, 1,600 yards a season and probably weigh in with 50 or 60. You know, a kind of a Roger Craig type in a way, but just much more physical. But in terms of what he can do out the backfield and in terms of uh, the way he can pass protect and those sorts of things, he could be the number one running back in the class. And I say that above a Dalvin Cook and above a Leonard Fournette, but you have to weigh in the off-field issues. Uh, OK, Matt Sherry, let me ask you. We we have take take Joe Mixon out of the mix because of those off-field issues. We're only be doing a top three at every position because there's this interesting idea at the moment. People are expecting Leonard Fournette could go even top five. Dalvin Cook, we keep hearing, is slipping, but Clancy thinks that's nonsense. 
Christian McCaffrey, is it a case, does he need the right situation to really flourish? Or is he a guy that, because he is so diverse, I mean, I've heard him described as the best slot receiver in this draft, that he could fit into any system, any scheme and do a job? Uh, it's interesting because I, I did a behind the scenes at the NFL road show and I, I chatted to Kurt Warner a lot about this kind of stuff and, and those kind of diverse players. No, but well, I did. What he, Let's just get that <laughs> from rolling back what fans. He, what he said to me, which I've never heard anybody say, is you don't realise, even in the NFL, how terrible some of the coaches are. Now, you kind of do realise there are a lot of bad coaching in the NFL, but he said he watches film of every single game and he said the amount of times he watches it and thinks, what are they doing here? And you get a guy like McCaffrey and you know for a fact that if you put him in a Patriots system or a Kyle Shanahan or a guy like that who knows how to manipulate the, the matchups to favour somebody like that, he would be amazing. I think he is a transcendent enough talent that he can overcome bad coaching as well. I think he's a much better inside runner than people would think looking at him. And I think that's largely because he's a white running back that people might think that, that old stereotype. But um, I think he's a transcendent player. He's probably my favourite back in the draft because I think that in a boom and bust situation, which the draft to me is always, I think his skills as a slot receiver mean that you should find one of those two positions for him or a blend of both. So I really like McCaffrey and think that he, he has a chance to be very special regardless of the circumstances. Yeah, I mean, you're going to want to put him in a zone stretch system. That's that's the system that's going to best suit his ability. But you're also going to want to get the ball in his hands 12, 15 times a game out of the backfield. You want to, go to put him in the slot, creative offensive coordinators will stick him in the slot, give him 12 carries, five catches, return man. I mean, he's incredibly dangerous his footwork his field vision his explosiveness he's so smooth he's such a great player he's such a great player he's just going to be i can i cannot see him not being a terrific player at the next level i just can't he's got because, everything. because of what you're saying Simon, my absolute dream scenario i agree with everything that you've just said is for the 49ers to move down and take him at some point just think yeah. he'd be absolutely perfect in that system and also don't i don't think it'll happen because the Shanahans have a history of drafting running backs really late and getting really good players. Because a zone running back is very different to most running backs in the fact that you can find guys later on who fit that skill set. But I just think in terms of both as a runner in that system, but also as a guy who can be manipulated by one of the best offensive minds in the league right now, that would be a great thing. And I think you've nailed it there, not with the Shanahan thing, because I, I've heard that a lot this last week. And I know, obviously, Kyle grew up under the shadow of Mike and worked with him for a number of years but you just have to look in Atlanta anyway the two guys who've had success there in Devonta Freeman and in Tevin Coleman neither of them were early round picks they were mid-round picks not late but you know they're, they're not guys they went out and, and moved but heaven and earth to try and get and I'd be surprised there's just uh, okay we're not going to talk about the 49ers too much but there are too many issues on that team for them to start thinking about that might know, Luxury like be running backs. There because he coached his dad, didn't he? Mike coached yeah. uh, Christian McCaffrey's dad. Ed. But um, it's it, that that is that is to me would be the pieces falling together. In an if, you're, if you're a general manager and you're thinking about you're thinking about drafting McCaffrey as a general manager, here's what plays into it. Off the field, is he good? Yes, he is. Is he a, is he a starting? If he fails as a running back, 
I can play him at wide receiver. I can play him on the boundary at wide receiver, and I can play him in the yeah, slot at wide receiver. Either. And he's going to be even if he never runs the ball, even if he if he can't run the ball, and you just decide, God, he's a bust as a running back. Who, which other player can you draft in the first round and think actually, I can still he can still be a massive offensive weapon for me at a completely different position. Yeah. So there you go, special Simon. teams as well. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's key because when these players have multiple positions and you, they're taking up a roster spot they need to be able to do unless they're a specific like an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman they need to cover so many different bases for these general managers to to pick these guys and we say it all the time on the podcast the nfl is about matchups that's all it's about it's about getting your gut manipulating the the defense and vice versa into the into the best position that you can to beat people on individual plays because of the matchup so Christian McCaffrey is the perfect factor matchup running back out of the backfield. And if you can get those alignments, you can get him into positions lined up on linebackers, lined up on safeties, then you're going to win almost every time. Uh, uh, there you go. Uh, Simon Clancy is called him bust proof. That is the headline from this. He, he, and he, he, he is bust proof. <laughs> we need to move but, on. <laughs> I'm going to make us move on from running back. No, let's talk, do a whole show about <laughs> McCaffrey because we all love him. I, yeah. can't, I, think, I think every single one of us want him to sign for our team. I'd love it. Uh, and Fournette's pretty good as well. Fournette is pretty good as well. Are we going Fournette, Cook, McCaffrey as our three? Mine would be mine would be McCaffrey, Fournette, Cook. Mine would be Cook, Mixon, no. Fournette. <laughs> Piss off. I mean, mine would be, it's true, it is. <laughs> mine would be Mixon. McCaffrey, McCaffrey, McCaffrey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what we're saying is there's no consensus. Now... Uh, Wide receiver position. This is another one where I know, Simon, you're going to go, you've not mentioned Zay Jones or Juju Smith-Schuster or all these other guys. But I love Juju Smith-Schuster, by the way. Yeah, big big fan. But there are three guys, again, much like the running back position, who people are talking about as not only potential first-round picks, but guys who could you know, at least creep up into the top half of the first round. Mike Williams, John Ross, Corey Davis. Are these the three that you're particularly excited about, Clancy? And can you give us some kind of order or idea? Um, I would probably go Mike Williams, Corey Davis, John Ross. Um, three kind of different players. Williams is, uh, I don't know, he's a Mike Evans clone, I suppose. He's a big catch radius. He's a 50-50 go up and get the ball. He's a good route runner. Uh, Corey Davis I'm a big fan of, obviously. The issue with Corey Davis is he hasn't been able to do anything in this post-college football season, in the draft season, as it were. He's not been able to work out. He's not been able to run a 40. So a bit like Ted Ginn, head of the draft 10 or 12 years ago, he never had any opportunity to work out, never had time to run a 40, and people question his sort of 40 time. But he's a terrific player. Um, and John Ross is, you know, he's the he's the speed merchant. He's the he's the guy that ran the 424 at the, or 422 at the Combine. Um, he's going to beat you with speed. He's going to be, I suppose, a, a kind of a Tavon Austin type who's going to, you're going to look to take the top of a defence for for want of a better term. I, I'm not sold that John Ross is health. John Ross's health issues concern me. He's had an AC, he's had ACL issues in the past. That would concern me a little bit. Corey Davis to me looks like he could be a uh, not bust proof, but he looks pretty. I, I, damn good. I, I kind of feel like with this class a little bit like last year's wide receivers not in like for like comparisons but you kind of feel like those top guys could go in any order based on fit because uh, I, I think as you've said I mean Corey Davis for me looks like a guy with his route running with his hands his quickness his run after the catch skills everything you know you put him into that a west coast offense something where he can be doing stuff short of the yeah. line and doing stuff like, then 
then he's the guy you want first over Mike Williams or John Ross if that's the scheme you're running. Mike Williams is a different, like the different skill set that you talked about, John Ross. If you've already got a guy who's going to take off the top of your, I'm trying to think of a team off the top of my head who have got those burners already, maybe Seattle, as we saw at the end of last year, you're, that's not going to be your first choice of guy. So with no. all of them, I wouldn't be surprised if they go in any order in the first L- listen, round. Listen, no, t- again, we just talked about it with McCaffrey. W- w- with Ross, you know, you're going to force... John Ross will force you to play with two deep safeties or to at least roll a coverage across, leaving one-on-one opportunities for, for people elsewhere on the field. So he's as much of a decoy player as he is as somebody who's going to make 10, 12 catches a game, which is he's not going to do. But he's somebody that will absolutely fit into the structure of a, an offense, depending on, you know, like you just said, mm. depending on you know, which team thinks they can utilize him best. But again, it, it's about those matchups and creating opportunities for other people just because he has the talent to really frighten defences. And that's the, the thing that Williams and, and Davis don't have. So John Ross is not a number one. I think both Davis and Williams could easily be number ones. Matthew Sherry? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not in love with Ross as a top three guy. No. Um, I, I, and, and it's because of what Simon's just said, but looking at it from a different slant of... His ceiling is not to be an elite number one receiver, so yeah. I'm not going to draft him in the first round. I think a guy like that should be a second or third round pick, and 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 it's a tough one because it's not just obviously receivers come in all shapes and sizes, but I think that the absolute ceiling for John Ross is to be Deshaun Jackson, and that's yeah. the guy who he's compared to. I would which draft is Chris absolutely Godwin. Great. I would draft Chris Godwin. I would draft Juju Smith-Schuster. I'd probably draft Zay Jones before I drafted Ross because there's, there's yeah, another, another you're limited player as well. You're Kurt. limited with what you can do with with John Ross. Curtis Samuel out of Ohio State is another one that's yeah. interesting because in terms of for everything you've said about John Ross, you could potentially apply it to him. Yeah, Samuel's and kind he doesn't of come in Harvin, with some I of suppose, the same issues necessarily. Absolutely. I mean, and also a bit like um, McCaffrey, he can also play running back. I mean, he played running back a lot for Ohio State. He's a very good route runner. He's very sudden. He gets excellent separation. He really stretches. You know, he ran a four three one. I think, you know, yeah. so he can make plays and make yards after the catch. And also, you can stick him in the backfield. A creative offensive. This is Curtis Samuel is somebody that um, Carl Shanahan at the top of the second round could easily target and use, the, you know, flip around and use the sort of way that you we've just talked about using McCaffrey because Samuel can play in two positions and has done so at the very highest level. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I just think there's a there's a it's all about ceilings to me when you look at guys in these first rounds and you're looking for you're looking to project players like when we're talking about McCaffrey you can project him as a player who you might build your entire offense around that's never going to happen with John Ross yeah. like and and you can build your offense around a big outside receiver or it's very rare you get that kind of player with 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 that kind of skill set and maybe you look at somebody like Antonio Brown as a real transcendent player who could do it but still he's still a very different player to John Ross is, is there off the top of the head I know we're going to do the kind of mock draft at the end of the next show but is there a fit for John Ross that you see and you think actually if there's somewhere he is going to work Baltimore Washington to replace um, to replace Deshaun Jackson I could easily yeah, see him fitting I, in I really, I really like what Washington have got already in I love, I love Crowder. They've got Terrell Pryor. They've drafted yeah. Josh Doxson last year. So Philadelphia is the, the potential one that I look at. Yeah, I, I, I can see that. I mean, the Bucks would have been had they not just signed Deshaun Jackson. But um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of players who would a lot of teams where you think that kind of player would be nice. But 
I always think John Ross is at best only ever going to be a nice player who you'd like to have rather than a guy who you, you think that you should be breaking the bank. So about. are we thinking about dropping him out of our top three when he's in everyone else's? That's the question. He wouldn't be in my top three. I think Davis and Williams, and Williams and Davis to me in that order are, are guarantees and then it's pick your poison between the, the Jones, Cooper Cup, Smith-Schuster and those guys. I love Smith Schuster. I, I was yeah, going to say, I'm well. really. Uh, let's put. Let's make Juju Smith Schuster out of USC. Let's make him our. I mean, we're projecting him way above quite a few other people, but let's make him our number three. We've Catches all said everything. that what we've seen. Like, I, I, I have to admit, as a draft season this year, this isn't the most prepared I've been for one in a year. But what I have tried to do is for the top five to eight players in every position is go back and at least watch a little bit of them and. He was somebody who got me the most excited when I was watching him play, and I know yeah. that you know highlight reels will do that to you, but I, I have no problem with that at all. I've I don't think one, there's I've maybe a clear one, two, and not a clear three. I've seen him have one bad game, which was essentially he was shut down by Minka Fitzpatrick. He'll be a high first rounder next year, the Alabama corner. He rolled over and played against Marlon Humphrey in the opening game of the season. He struggled in that game, and that, that would be a concern against elite-level first-round cornerbacks. But he has dominated other cornerbacks, Fabian Moreau, who'll be, who would have been a first-rounder but for his injury, other corners that, that are in this draft and will be in next year's draft. He catches it. He's Anquan Bolden. He'll play 10 years and be an outstanding receiver for your team without ever being a pro bowler or an all-pro. He'll just be there. He'll catch balls. and have 75 catches a season. He's big. He's physical. He's quick. Great hands. What's not to love? Are there any other receivers you would like to mention our draft gurus, Simon and Matthew? I like Ardarius Stewart out of um, out of Alabama is a receiver I like. Um, Cooper Cup that that um, yeah Matt that mentioned Matt him, just yeah, mentioned great name Late as well. <laughs> Carlos Henderson of Louisiana Tech is a receiver I like, and a couple of other guys. Jalen Jalen Robinette of Air Force um, will remind you of Demarius Thomas. His yards per catch is second only to Demarius Thomas in the last fifteen years in college football. He is um, he will. He, he's a sort of player that will end up playing for for someone like Denver and be a terrific receiver. And Katie Cannon of of Baylor is a speed. He, he's a he's a low rent John Ross, real big playmaker, <laughs> ridiculous speed. Um, he is a nice mid value, mid round value pick. Is that, you know the guy that we've just spent ten minutes telling you why he's not uh, worthy. Yeah, we've he's got a guy, guy who's a low rent version of him. <laughs> Absolutely. You know what this whole thing's been a bit like? It's when you go and ask for directions in rural Norfolk. <laughs> but you, what you've got to do is go down there. There's a, there's a left-hand lane. Down in the end of that lane, there's a lake. Don't take that road. Don't Carry on. <laughs> um, is the best receiver or the, the receiver who should be drafted highest in this draft actually O.J. Howard? No. No. Just what it is. Mike nice, Williams. I wanted it as a nice segue into tight ends, but... They both said no. It's it's it a good work. segue. That's but all you I were doing Mike there. But yeah, we, we I, 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 here's the thing. I love OJ Howard because, and we're going to talk tight ends, and we're going to talk top three tight ends. But uh, for OJ Howard, for me, the reason I'm so excited watching him is uh, I see what Travis Kelsey did last year. When over the three years he's been in the league, he's developed the blocking side of his game, and not just at the kind of on the line level, but getting up to the second level as well. And the number of those big Tyreek Hill moves that were sprung free by having a guy on the outside who could play as kind of a, a true F, a true Y tight end, sorry, rather than yep. that kind of behind the line F tight end. And it feels to me like OJ Howard is someone who can do that coming out. And we he, talked about flexibility with uh, McCaffrey. Uh, OJ Howard's the sort of person who you can put in your team, you can move him around, 
you don't know whether it's going to be a pass or a run because he can block, because he can catch, and immediately from day one offers you flexibility without having to substitute. And I think that's you see what both the Patriots and the Falcons did last year with doing exactly that, mm. and that's what I want on my team. Are so you gronking him? Are you gronk? Are you gronking? I'm him? not. Ter- I'm not saying he's gronk, but I just think if you're going to take a guy who is going to offer you that kind of scheme flexibility and offer you an impact from almost day one, OJ Howard feels like a guy like that to me. He can play four positions essentially. He can play a you know a Y. He can play an F. He can play in the slot. He can play on the perimeter. What what Alabama do a lot of? They run a lot of split zone option plays, which have, which actually has Howard leading the way or sealing the backside of a play because obviously they have a predominantly running quarterback. So he's shown the ability to to move to locate the correct defender. He can flip his hips to open running lanes on the move. As an inline blocker, you'd flip on the, the Texas A&M game, and there he is one-on-one handling Miles Garrett, what, you know, probably the number one overall pick. And, and Alabama didn't throw him the ball an awful lot. So he's actually a very, very a vastly underused receiving threat. And we all know that when he gets the ball in his hands, he runs great routes, he gets open, he's got soft hands, and he can make yards after the catch, as shown throughout his career. He's a very, very good player. If ever there was an example of how Alabama put the collective way ahead of their individual, it's yeah. the fact that they didn't game plan to get him the ball more than that yeah, last season. Absolutely. Having, having had him go off in that first championship game and then return, you thought that they'd really utilise him more in the passing game than they did last year, which it would be a slight concern were it not for the fact that Bama just clearly don't care about the draft stuff because they know that their guys are going in the first round anyway and that their primary concern is just winning games. But so you, like you t- saw enough of him to feel that he could do... He can be used as both. He can be used with that flexibility even if they didn't do it. You know, uh, the numbers aren't that impressive, but as you said, that's not his fault. Yeah, People talk about... Yeah. People talk about him being Greg Olson or, or Tyler Eifer. He's a better blocker than both of those. You know, I mean, significantly better than Olson was coming out of Miami. Uh, you could make a fairly decent argument that over the past, take Gronkowski out of the question, uh, out of the equation, and obviously there are a lot of question marks because of the back issues that he had in college. Yeah, but Gronk- Gronkowski was. Uh, I, everybody always says, "Oh, how did the Patriots get him?" He was just a top five talent where everybody yeah. thought he would be screwed in. Four or five exactly. years, and let's see if he comes back from the back injury next year. I mean, that exactly. that but could have been right, but the Patriots have got out of more than enough. The, the, I mean. the, point, the point is that he's as close to a complete tight end over the last few years that have come out, yeah. you know, excluding Gronkowski, and Gronkowski only dropped because of the back issues. So, you know, he's a tremendous player, but he's not the only tremendous tight end in the draft. Well, yeah, Simon, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about the others. Let me just one mention quickly before we get Go off OJ Howard, because you mentioned two people there, Tyler Eifert, and, uh, and you mentioned Greg Olsen as comparisons. Both teams, who I think if they got OJ Howard in, what he then does to both of their potential schemes with the running backs they've got, with the line issues they sometimes have, that's the sort of ideal fit for those sorts of teams. Ollie Hunter, you wanted to ask a question? Yeah, I, every time I turned on the TV and watched Olay Miss, um, Evan Ingram just jumped yes. off the screen, and I, I loved some of the plays he made. Great hands. A, a very good player it, it seemed to me Absolutely. without without fully dissecting what he's all about tell me more about him yeah he's Evan Jordan Ingram Reed. Of, uh, yeah of old Messi that's exactly right he's Jordan Reed he's a taller slower wide receiver who's a, a, a mismatch nightmare essentially he's going to be an H back a flex tight end uh, you know a move tight end 
like a Jordan Reed. He, he couldn't block a wet paper bag um, generally. He's an interference blocker more than he is a, a, an actual blocker. But in terms of w- watch the LSU Ole Miss game because the one-on-one battle between Ingram and uh, Jamal Adams is an absolute. Cl- you know, just in terms of how you manipulate systems and move players around and uh, uh, and watch two really really good players going up against each other. Ingram is you know against man coverage. He's just too big and too fast for safeties to cover. Too athletic. He's a good route runner. He wins with separation. Um, but blocking is an issue. So you know what you're getting, and you're probably not going to be able to turn him into a great blocker. But certainly he's somebody that's going to make an impact in the in the early part of his career because he can, you know, you can get him open and you can scheme him open. So you know, Engram mm. is, is a really good player, and he's probably slash three slash four on my list in terms of the, the Titans. So who's uh, who's two and two and three, two and four? Uh, David and Joku of Miami. Yeah has probably got the most upside of any tight end for me in this draft uh, you know just a phenomenal catching receiving talent out of the University of Miami he's very Pre- you know, he's preposterous very raw, athlete as well uh, ridiculous athlete uh, and an incredible you know you talk to you, you hear him talk he's an incredible he comes from his father's a doctor he's got eight eight or nine brothers and sisters his younger brother is a wide receiver just been recruited to the University of Miami I think he's called Patience and Joku and he's apparently 6'6 six, six and 210 I mean, and he runs like a four-four. I mean, he's going to be a ridiculous wide receiver in a few years' time. He is a physical freak who you can split out as a receiver. You can keep him in line. You can run wide ISO with him. I'm fairly certain he was a state long jump champion. He was now, and a high jump. Put, yeah, absolutely. Put that in your mind for a guy of that size. And watch him madness. run away from cornerbacks when he catches the ball. You know, this is a guy that will take. He will get the ball and he will go 70, 80 yards, and he'll do that against the highest level in college, and he will do it in the NFL. His ceiling is as high as any player in this draft. I mean, that's that's fact. His ceiling is as high as anybody in the draft. He's raw as a blocker. I mean, he understands leverage. He understands position. He's just he's just not as physically advanced as a blocker as an O.J. Howard or a, a Jeremy Sprinkle or a George Kittle or some of the other sort of lower round, you know, blocking specialists in terms of the last two guys. But his upside is is scary. I think I think that Howard and Joker were a clear one and two for yeah. me, and then it's similar to the running backs to an extent. Is it's such a ridiculously deep class that yeah. from from that point onwards, it's basically what you specifically like in your own system. In that, yeah. there's probably five, six, seven guys who are a similar level, but it's all about how they fit into what you do yeah. and how your your system will utilize them. And you've got guys like you know, kind of more move like Jordan Leggett and Bucky Hodges of Clemson and Virginia Tech, who could be you could have as move tight ends. You've got the Jake Butt, who's coming off the knee injury, but is more of an all rounder. My, my the, point there was going to be, thankfully, we've changed GMs in San Francisco, so we won't be <laughs> taking Jake Butt uh, later in the draft good, because we good, love to play with a knee injury. He's a good player, Jake Butt. The, the one guy I want to talk about, who's probably my number three tight end, actually, is Adam Shaheen, who comes from this tiny college, Ashland College. He's almost six seven. He's two hundred and seventy eight pounds. He runs a four seven forty. I mean, he's a he's a kind of a mini Gronkowski in terms of what he can do on the field. Obviously, he's playing at a much lower level of competition, but he's tall. He's thick. He's got great speed. You watch him on tape. I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, he plays free safety, kind of single high free safety in high school and tight end, and it's literally like watching Andre the Giant against a you know a bunch of school kids. It's, he's a freak athlete. Very impressive in workouts. Great, great hat, really soft hands. He's somebody that might end up going in the second round. I mean, this is a kid that, like I said, from a very small school, Ashland, and he is a you know, massive hands, just a physical freak. My my third guy is is probably Jake, but I love Jake. Yeah. But 
he, he, it's just one of those with the knee injury where nobody's seen him work out. Obviously, the the talk is that he'll be healthy for training camp. But I, I think runners. he would have. He put I a video on Instagram the other day and he three. was running. Yeah, I think he'd have been the clear number number three if that hadn't happened. Because what you said, he is an all round tight end. He's kind of a mini version of OJ Howard in the fact that. He's one of them players that Will mentioned where you put them on the field and you've got that flexibility to both run the ball and pass the ball because he can do both. And Those guys are the rare guys. It's usually one or the other. Uh, have we mentioned Gerald Everett? We haven't. That's another guy who a lot of people are rejecting high. Not someone I've seen a lot of, but I'm imagining Simon Clancy has. I've seen a bit of him. I mean, we don't, you, know, we, you don't get that many, um, you don't get that many South Alabama games in, um, you know, in this country. But again, he's another... He's another Jordan Reed type, I suppose. He started, I think, at UAB. He started his career at UAB um, and then transferred to South Alabama. He is a... Um, he can get separation. He's a undersized guy. He's about 235, I think, and only about 6'1", 6'2". So he's not doesn't have great size, but he gets open. Um, and once he gets the ball in his hands, he can be very dangerous. Again, he's not a great blocker. Could end up in the second round. You know... It, it, it's how teams think they can utilise him. He's certainly got that ability, and you know you're looking for guys to get open. Can they keep hold of the ball? He ticks the boxes in both those areas. So here's our three, as far as I'm concerned: Howard and Joku, and then Evan Ing- Engram. Just because Ollie said Ole Miss, uh, let's move on and talk about obviously the sexiest position in any NFL draft: the offensive line. Because Sorry, what was, what was that there? What was that sound effect? <laughs> what was that clinking? Definitely not the sound of beer. What's going on in there? I never know what's going on in there. <laughs> I, I'm going I'm going out immediately from after this podcast, and they're all going to be Can I just pause one second, because my daughter wants to FaceTime me. Hold on one second, I just need to tell her I'm busy. That's absolutely fine. I was just going to tell you a story about sitting here and drinking whilst we're doing the podcast but so i'm both drinking and i'm eating easter eggs at the same time because uh, our one of our producers here jeremy fulham irish jeremy uh, revealed that uh, top of the mind uh, too, sort of, sort of <laughs> wait, waitrose round the corner from work was flogging off all its chocolate on the cheap and no, nothing uh, like a nothing like a bit of xenophobia at Talksport. <laughs> excuse me <laughs> come on i'm joking oh. you know it I'm joking. Well, I, I, I'm love joking. It, I love it when the battle lines start to get shot. <laughs> uh, I am joking. Um, Although, Simon, you're, you're now moonlighting for the Independent, I hear from earlier. I, yeah, absolutely. I enjoyed that. Uh, Ollie. Yeah, the Independent are doing some really cool stuff sport-wise at the minute. Uh, yeah, I was chatting with Ed Malian, Malian. The, um, recently they they did Clang. a mock draft they had Pat Mahomes going as their highest quarterback so it wasn't a good mock draft but oh, no, uh, I don't listen don't why, uh, why don't we uh, no. chat again next week I don't <laughs> I, I, I'd hold your horses on, on that I could easily see Mahomes going in the top six if that happens yeah, it's a disgrace it's, it's not really a disgrace and I will explain why when we get on to quarterbacks but we're talking about offensive line now yes do it um, we're just going to lump this all into one, if you don't mind, because it sounds like every tackle in the draft is being kicked inside to guard anyway. Um, mm. Who are you, I'm just going to... like Names that have been kicking about, Ryan Ramchick, best pass protector, apparently Ugh, out of Wisconsin. No, he's not. No, he's not. <laughs> Garrett no, Bowles not. Yeah, as a, but as a he run just blocker. He scored, uh, he scored a nine on the Wonderlick, which is really going to concern teams in terms of, you know, can he pick up a scheme? Can he pick up a, a system? Can he retain a system, make those kind of rapid pre-snap adjustments? He's, he's also got a lot of off-the-field, like a lot of off-field issues. He's kind of turned his life around. He found God. He got married. But this was a guy that was heading for prison. He's also going to be 25 at the start of the season. There are some issues around Garrett Bowles. Ryan Ramchick. 
I mean, you set him up outside and you, you, you spin move him inside and he'll get destroyed. I, I'm not a fan of Ryan Ramchick at all. Um, I, I don't think it's a very good class, full, full stop. Cam, Cam Robinson? Again, a guard for me. Off, massive off-field issues. Um, he got arrested last year for gun issues and... Um, uh, the, he was he was arrested, I think, back end of last year for drug possession and gun charges, and in the end they didn't they didn't prosecute. But I think there were a number of requirements that he was had to stick to to stay on the team. But obviously he was a good player, so therefore he stayed on the team because that's how it works. Um, erratic guy, a lot of penalties. I think he's a better guard than he is a tackle. When he's on, he can be terrific, but he's not always on. Talk to me about Forrest Lamp. I like Forrest Lamb. I think he's the best lineman in the draft, actually. Um, kid out of Western Kentucky, 51-game starter, three-year team camps. I think he's a better guard or a centre, but he played left tackle at Western Kentucky because, obviously, you know you stick the best offensive lineman at the, at the, at the premium position. Um, I think he'll come in and start from, get, from, from day one. He's probably a, a gap scheme rather than a zone scheme guy. What do you, but, what do you think of Ramsig as a guard? That, that uh, intrigues me. Yeah, I, I, think, I, I, I think don't love him the, the tackle either. No. I think he, if you can keep Ramsick in that phone box area, I think he's a. The, the issue with him, the issue with him as a guard is that he's actually better in pass pro than he is as a run blocker. And you obviously, I mean, in the ideal world, you you want your guards to be proficient at both. And I think he's lacking a little uh, as a run blocker than he, than he is as a pass blocker. He's, he's also only a one year starter. Um, yeah. Which which would concern me. The Mitch a, Trubisky of the offensive line. A little bit. Well, yeah, well but, another guy that's a one year starter who many people will want to know about is Jermaine Illuminor. Um, yes, he, he's not going to be nice. a, our top three. Bring drop. He's not. Well, you know, that's our audience. I What's your it. problem here? I was all for it. Oh, okay, that's good. Crazy. Sorry, sorry. This but, is nothing but love, buddy. Nothing he's not, but he's love. A, yeah, my retort wasn't. Uh, I really apologise. He's not going to be a top three, but. Talk to us, tell us about what he does well, what he doesn't. Where do you think he might end up draft-wise? I think he is a right tackle at the next level. Uh, good pronunciation of his name, so I always, I'm always getting it wrong. I think he needs a lot of coaching, a lot of technique work. Uh, he's a big kid. I mean, he's, what, 6'4"? I don't know, he must be around 320, 325. Um, it's listed 332. Okay, there you go. So, yeah, that's um, a, he's a big guy. He is inexperienced and he is raw, and obviously because he didn't start playing the game until late. I think his upside is nice. I think he's probably a fourth round pick potentially, as somebody that you could use as a as a kind of a swing tackle and maybe progress into a pretty decent starting right tackle. And don't forget, you know, right tackles are a bit like um, a bit like nickel corners in a way. If you've got a decent one, you're actually doing pretty well. You know, the NFL is not flush with great nickel cornerbacks as it's not flush with great right tackles. So if you've got a, a serviceable right tackle, you're, uh, you're doing all right. And I think he can easily be a serviceable right tackle in the NFL. It's nice skill set, strength, pretty athletic, but that inexperience is going to hurt in the, uh, in the early stages. I, I know where he's going to be drafted. He's going to be drafted to the Jacksonville Jaguars because that's what we yeah. told them they should do when they asked us, what should we do to connect more with a British audience when <laughs> draft a British player? The, the yeah. papers will write about you. Like, we, we don't care. We'll talk about the Jags all day long. We're big fans of them on the podcast and we talk yeah, about them on the, Jags, yeah. the radio show on TalkSport plenty as well. But, yeah, if you want the newspapers to write about you, you need yeah. the, ne- the next JGI and he's not that, but no. he is British. Well, the, the, I mean, we'll talk and about it. And he's got a great story as well. That's the we'll other talk thing. About it. We'll talk about it next week. Um, but actually, the, the, the British guy to keep an eye on is Obi Melifonwu of UConn, who'll be the, easily the highest rated 
of the three British guys in the draft and will be the highest British draft pick that we've ever had. So, But we'll talk about him next week. Matt Sherry, where can people find out more about Jermaine Illuminor? You can find out more in the in the latest issue of Gridiron, which, as I said when we started this, there's only 15 of those left, and we um, we are probably not going to get any more printed. So if you are interested, I would do it fairly but, quickly. Yeah, there but is always possible to get a PDF you. version, yeah. of course, as well. Can you get an electronic one? Yeah, you can, yeah. That's a great point, guys. You should do the job I do. <laughs> I think we do, don't we? I, I would, I would the marketing part of it. <laughs> I would actually suggest electronic is, is, at this point, a better option as well, because then you guarantee that it's it's on your iPad for draft day. So, yeah, it's 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 only 250 as well, and it's perfect. It, we, we see it as... It's a, it, we do it as a bit of a draft guide in that you can find our positional rankings, our top 50 players and some other guys to keep an eye on. We also have some really nice backstory stuff with some nice other players as well. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's a really nice way to learn just enough for those first two days. There's a great Dalvin Cook interview in there, I read. Uh, yeah, it's really I good. I don't, um, don't know who wrote it, that. It had to be heavily edited, but it was... Uh, no, it, <laughs> it was it, written it really by me! Never, heavily it edited really, uh, by I... <laughs> <laughs> I, I almost never edit your stuff other than to change the punctuation, Simon. As you yeah, know, my punctuation is horrendous. Um, um, oh, sorry, sorry. L- listen, th- with, we've, now we've all done weird love. Is there all, is there anyone? <laughs> do I need to time code for late? Yeah. No, definitely no, not. No, that but, stays in. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. Under no um, circumstances, and then that comes out again, out. and then goes in again. Oh, um, oh god, that goes out. You're a, you are out of order. <laughs> the men on the line. Come um, is there uh, is there a tackle in the first two rounds that you would that actually we've had play tackle, tackle being said now as that well? You would <laughs> actually play at tackle. That's all I want to know. Who, uh, who are our play, hard three? I think Garrett Bowles. You could play at tackle. I like uh, I like Anthony Gar- Antonio Garcia of Troy, who's Garcia six seven, three hundred pounds, three and a half year starter at left tackle. Uh, athletic. Uh, he's raw, but he's athletic. He's got great feet. He really flashes proper NFL left tackle to me I think um, you know he's football intelligent he's uh, I think he starts probably not early but I think he could develop into the best of the left tackles in this in this class delightful this, this, who was our this, did we did we are we anywhere near a top three no uh, we, Forrest we got, Lamp, we, is, Lamp. Is Lamp I love Lamp best. Best yeah, but I, I think the be- actually the best three for me might, if we're just talking linemen generally, might be Lamp, Dan Feeney, the guard from Indiana, and then yeah. I love Pat Elfly and the the centre from Ohio State. I think he's a great player. He's a nasty. plug and play. He's a, he's a plug player. and he is. He's a ten year plug and play starter who'll be a, a really good player for your team. And if you haven't pulled the audio of I Love Lamp from um, Anchorman, by the time we actually do the draft podcast, you're a disgrace, Ollie Hunter. Um, <laughs> Let's right. Let's do it. We've been saving it till the end, and it's probably the position people probably know the most about because it's the one that's been the most talked about. What, even if there or... is a risk, yes, fullback, <laughs> long snapper. Yeah, even if now, just you wait for the next episode of the Gridiron Show. I've got my top three non-sexy uh, positions. Uh, nice. That was good. Yeah. Nice. I, don't, I have no idea what that even means. Yeah. Well, you don't want to know. I've got a fullback in there. I've nice. got a punter in there, and I've got a return specialist, Ooh. Sam Rogers. <laughs> Of where Sam Rogers oh, here of Virginia Tech. Oh, spoiling the list. spoiling it all. Yeah, you yeah. calm yourself down, Simon Clancy. Yeah, yeah. You're stealing Ollie Hunter's thunder. Sorry. Um, yeah. Cut that out. <laughs> it's no, staying in because this takes more work to edit, and I, oh, okay. I'm going out drinking after this. Um, qu- quarterbacks. 
there's a risk that this this uh, draft could turn into was it 2013, the the terrible quarterback year, um, where we'll talk about them all to high heaven and then none of them end up really working out. But how are people set right now on their top three? If I, if I was talking about who I wanted my team to draft, I would take Watson over Trubisky. Okay, I can see that. Uh- I think there is something to love about all of the top three. Guys. Yeah, I agree. And arguably, actually, the top four, I could top I, I, four. Yeah, there but is, the problem there is there's something to love and four. something to fear. In all of course, it's, it's a really weird one. Like to give the quick breakdown for me, Deshaun Watson, I love his his moxie. Is I I really admire the clutch gene in a quarterback and all that kind of stuff. It's great. He's a leader. He comes in the building. Everybody rallies around him. Love that about him. Mahomes is just a freak of nature. Um, um, some of the throws he makes from the positions he makes them don't look possible, and yet he does it. The, the, the positive with him is the negative in that he does remind you a lot of Brett Favre, which is great, but ultimately it's so difficult to be Brett Favre. I said I was going to say it, and I'm going to say it now. Pat Mahomes is not Brett Favre. Pat Mahomes makes all of his decent plays out of the pocket, has no accuracy over 20-odd yards. He's not not Brett Favre. He's Johnny Manziel. I I dislike him immensely. I think he is going to take at least two years of some of the best coaching in the NFL to be a starting quarterback. He's not not close to... I mean, I'm literally watching a a throw of his in the backfield, three-step drop, fakes the shoulder, steps up, and absolutely rifles it in between three players from the pocket with beautiful accuracy against Arizona State. I mean, I'm that, not interested. That's just fundamentally not right. I'm not interested. I'm, <laughs> uh, I'm so, I mean, that's where I'm at. Him. Trubisky, I think it looks the most looked the most like a quarterback at the beginning of last season, and then didn't look great at the end of the season. And my big concern with him is when the chips are down in games, he generally disappears, which is the absolute opposite thing that you want with a quarterback. But in terms of the look of a quarterback, I've seen things from him that make me think, yeah, that is an NFL quarterback. And Deshaun Kaiser was terrible last season, but if you watch the year oh, before... Except he was, that he was... You watched the Texas game last year. That yeah, was he the was best awesome, game of, right? That was the best game of any quarterback. Best game of any draft-eligible quarterback from last year was... was yeah. Sean Kaiser I, I, I really think Kaiser and Mahomes are going to have the same thing where what now that it's something we hear talked about and maybe it's more draft bluff but when we, it's something we spoke with Andrew Brandt about when coaches start to enter the draft season after the the football season finishes and start to look at what they want from a prospect it changes from the pure scouting perspective and there'll be coaches who will see what Deshaun Kaiser does who'll see what Pat Mahomes does who see the arm the raw talent the potential and will think to themselves I can coach that up I can make that happen and in both cases I'm concerned that unless they go to the perfect situation they are going to be two players that struggle Kaiser has got everything: size, yeah, arm talent, mobility. You know, he and he and, pairs and all that is, with. I, I really like Brian Kelly, and I still do like him as a coach. I think he lost that Notre Dame team completely last season, and I yeah. think that's why he made the comments he made about Kaiser after the season because he's yeah. trying to deflect the blame onto somebody he, else. He is the best but, pocket coordinator in the draft in terms of 
drop, stick, slide, throw in terms of manipulating the pocket, climbing the pocket to avoid the pass rush. He does that far better than anybody in the class. I, I think Deshaun Kaiser in the right, in, with the right team and the right coaching could be a, a very, very good quarterback. And I think you can make the same case for, for all of those top four. Watson, yeah. I mean, size, intelligence, winning, great kid off the field, great leader, good arm, mobile. I mean, regardless of what you think about is if he sometime if he accuracy down the field that's a pretty good base to start with I mean, it's a pretty good if you're looking for a quarterback and you say i've got a guy for you he's six foot two he's mobile he's got a good arm he's won a national championship he's taken a team that probably shouldn't have gone to two back-to-back national championships and done it he wins when the lights are brightest he's tough he's a great leader that's he's a, a locker room kid. leader that's that's the other big thing for me with watson that above all yep. this other great stuff is that thing of him being the winner the attitude of the winner and so, particularly those younger teams when you talk about those teams that need quarterbacks the kind of Browns the 49ers who are true. in hard rebuilding mode yeah. he's the sort of guy who can go in there and change the way that uh, uh, the, the, the culture inside a locker room uh, no, Trubisky I mean, has got the strongest arm I mean, he's got yeah. he's got plus accuracy. He's got the strongest arm. You watch the game against Miami. He is ripping balls down the field. He can make back shoulder throws across across that the far hash with with ease. He is a he is a good quarterback. Matt makes a fair point about the kind of being the opposite of Deshaun Watson. Can he win a big game? Um, and Mahomes is just a different beast, and I think that's the way the you know I don't think he should be downgraded because he plays in the air raid offense. I really don't. I mean. He is a guy, and you're going to see this over the next few years in terms of guys coming out. You look at Josh Allen next year uh, of Wyoming, who at this stage is a, a top five pick. He is pretty much the same as Mahomes in terms of his, you know, the offense that he's coming from. It's not an air raid offense per se, but it's a, you know, it's a spread system. But don't forget, Marcus Mariota came from a spread system. Yeah. Deshaun Watson comes from essentially a spread system. You know, whilst Oregon run traditional kind of West Coast principles. Marcus Mariotto is, to all intents and purposes, a, a, a spread quarterback. Mahomes isn't an on-time, timing quarterback at the moment. It's done on his own pace. He thrives on those broken plays that you see. Well, you could, Wilson you could I, I feel like Mariota adapted incredibly quickly, and he yes, did. he still, you know, has elements of spread in in what he can do. But it, you know. Uh, I, there's no, I've not seen anything but from look Mahomes at the, to look suggest at, he's going to adapt that quickly. Look at the, the throws ball. that Mahomes can make without yeah. the technique and the fundamentals that we talk about quarterbacks. Have. Look what he can do without those. Imagine what he can do with them. And, and you're I mean, proje- you're projecting these guys. This is what you, we're doing with the draft. We're projecting guys. We all talk about this um, this off-schedule stuff, but that's what Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson do brilliantly, and that's why the two of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. I think I think being off-schedule at times, if, if you're the kind of guy who can do it, isn't a bad thing. I mean, and... Obviously, there needs to be a little bit more of an element of of the standard pocket pass stuff. But as Simon says, the, the raw materials are there that you, you you get him in the right system to do that, and he, he's going to do it. And I, I I I find this quarterback class fascinating, and I can't yeah. interested to look back in five years' time because it, it, all four could be out of the league in five years and all four could be great NFL quarterbacks in five years and I, and I think that's what makes the draft so fascinating is seeing where these players land and how they develop because they're all really interesting the one final point I think on Trubitsky make it the final point Sherry we need to move on to defence in another podcast <laughs> why did it take him so long to become the starter that's a problem to me no way man he's the starter now 
<laughs> Thanks, Ollie. No, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you got involved. Just don't live in the past. Live in the now and what's going on. Just you can't. He's part. He's put that away. I know teams don't think like that. I know, but be a positive person. Just like go on what's going on now, man. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed that, Ollie. Good, good. So sorry, guys. You, you really stick to, stuck up for him. Well but, done, buddy. I just like um, to say on the eyeball test, Mahomes. Yeah. When I saw him live. Every guy, everybody, every guy, every guy. I thought he looked fantastic, I, and I know it was against a terrible Baylor defense, but I really want to see more of Mahomes, and I'm, I'm thrilled that he'll be a first round draft pick. Hopefully, right. We're going to move on because what we're going to do is this is the end of this podcast. We've already brought you schedule chat, schedule chat. We've already brought you uh, our st- discussion of our tour, the initial discussion uh, before we can make the full and final announcement once it's all priced up. And we've gone through all the offensive positions of note in this draft. In the next show, we're going to be going through the defensive position and we're going to be doing a little snap mock draft, even though I know how much Simon Clancy hates them. You all love, I love them. them. I just, you know, <laughs> think they're, they're utterly irrelevant after pick one, <laughs> which is fair. But we're going to do it anyway. Uh, so we're going to roll on and do that. Thank you very much for listening. Again, thank you for all the really good feedback for the NFL UK Roundtable show. We really appreciated it. And keep getting in touch with us on Twitter at Gridiron. Find us on uh, on Facebook, Gridiron Magazine. And go to touchdowntrips.com. Register your interest. Pay your £100. Put some big, big games in it. Uh, where, and, are we, where, where are we going? Will? And a trip. We've already done that earlier. Come on, oh. Simon. And a trip to LSU. <laughs> So Simon is going to be ticking off a bucket list item. So I am. It's going to be a joy all round. So thank you very much for listening. We'll catch with you in a couple of days for the other half of the draft. This has been The Gridiron Show.